I've seen a lot of guys who can go five, five ish to 15. And if a bunch of these guys go from five, five to five, one, uh, as a result from working on a 25, then that's a 22.0 to a 21.6. Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got part of the crew. Luke's hanging with family, but we got Dr. John Mullen and uh, uh, really helping us out by uh, carrying more than his weight as he's a guy who carries a lot of weight nowadays uh, as the 53 world champion. Cam McAvoy, what's going on, Cam? How are you? Not much. I'm great. How are you guys? Yeah, we're doing pretty great. I, yeah. I can't complain. And uh, you got your dog in the room. What's the name of the dog? Uh, Apollo, named after the NASA missions to the moon. Oh, okay. He's, thought- a, he's a big, giant groodle, uh, poodle, <laughs> golden retriever cross. It's like 40 kilos. He's, he's like, a, when I hold him, he looks like a sheep. It's crazy. <laughs> you got any other pets? Did you grow up with pets? Uh, yeah, I grew up with a, I had a toy poodle as a family dog and a cat, uh, or three cats over my time. And then Apollo, since moving out of home, Apollo is my, my first pet. I think Apollo is a, is a more appropriate pet name for, for a sprinter than a, than <laughs> a toy poodle. Yeah. I, I mean, he's the most unathletic dog you'd see, uh, just <laughs> even the, the way he sits. He's yeah. He's not quick. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not quick on land either. So we kind of match each other. If you've been listening to social kick for a while, you know that we haven't been doing ad reads on this show, but as we've grown, we want to create more social kick content and we want to do so by partnering with the right brands that we actually believe make good products. Well, we found one with the magic five. We love this product and we're happy to partner with the magic five. Walk us through what's going on. What did you do today? Well, what are you doing today? It's 10 a.m. there-ish. Well, so it's only 10 a.m. Um, so I've woken up, taken the dog out for a walk, had brekkie. Um, fr- it's Friday, so we're really just waiting until the session. Going to get in at about 140, 145-ish. Um, and, yeah, it's just a sprint set, some shoots, some dives. Um, one of the main sets of the week. Uh, so today's really just waiting until that comes around, uh, dive into that, do that as well as I can. And then it's just relax for the rest of the day. What does life look like most of your training days outside of the pool? And also like, what does it look like in terms of, you know, how many, how much time is spent in the actual training now too? Well, so it's, it's wildly different to what the vast majority of my career has been. Um, I'm extremely fortunate at, the, at this point in time to uh, only have to focus on swimming. Um, pretty much I can have my life revolve around that, uh, be super flexible with that. Uh, I haven't set an alarm for training since uh, pretty much probably the lead into Tokyo 2021. Um, so, yeah, this whole season and, and 2022 with my year off and what year off swimming, um, yeah, just waking up naturally, uh, kind of just let my my body kind of wake up. Uh, after I get up, I like it, take it slow, kind of not do too much, you know. Um, and then, yeah, really I'll get into whatever I have for the day, whether it's gym or a swim. Um, gym's usually uh, programmed in, in terms of like I've got a time, I've got to go there, uh, meet my SNC coach and get that done. Usually it's around 10. Um, but, yeah, the swimming side of things, very flexible. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate that, that Tim Lane, uh, my coach who I work with, he's at, he's on deck, uh, at the school pool at Somerville, um, virtually all day. Uh, and so we're, we're pretty flexible where, I mean, there's always things on, but depending on the, on the day, we can kind of just toss out, oh yeah, we're, we're thinking of training around, let's say one, two, three o'clock, what works for you? And he'll be like, yeah, I'll get back to you. And then we'll kind of just settle down on like, okay, 2 p.m. sounds good. And we'll go in, rock up, do the session at 2. And then the next day, it's like, okay, uh, how about midday? Midday works. I'm feeling pretty good at midday. Let's go. So uh, ultra flexible in terms of the timing of the day, which is just so wildly different to, to where I've come from. Uh, and that's, that's, that's being very fortunate as well with the context of the, like the, the entire environment, like my type of day-to-day thing, what Tim's got to do. Uh, what everyone else has to do. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it right now. It's awesome. 
Well, we got a lot to unpack there, but one thing you mentioned, you know, not setting an alarm. I wrote this six part series for Swimming World in 2012 called like the, I forget the clickbait title, but something like the definitive case against morning practice. And I got so many negative comments for this because, hey, how the hell are we going to fit in 100K if we're not yeah. doing morning practice? Yeah. How are we going to be doing this? And, you know, I, I wrote all about, you know, all the hormonal disruptions, how, especially with like because we know about this. And, and obviously you're in a different point in your career. But a lot of like high school swimmers start this aging, developing people. Hey, let's get them up at 4 a.m. and start. Boom pounding yardage and getting into that yeah. routine. Yeah. So um, like I said, a lot to unpack here, but I guess tell us maybe some of the impacts you've noticed with just not having to do a morning practice or have that alarm. Um, well, I mean, it goes a long way in terms of just general recovery, uh, readiness for the session. Uh, I find as well, depending on when I wake up naturally is also a pretty large clue as to how my body's tracking throughout a block. Um, and that, yeah, that, that's, that's massive insight in and of itself. And then vice versa as well. Um, like if I, if I'm, if I'm on the higher end of say neural fatigue and general fatigue, then, uh, I could be real tired going to bed, but if I struggle to fall asleep fast enough or I, yeah, I'm just tossing and turning, um, there's more insight into that. Uh, and yeah, I, I reckon it goes a long way in terms of general readiness. I'm also fortunate that I don't have to hit the, the weekly kilometer target for, for something that say guys in the 400 and 1500 and, and open water would have to do. Um, and so there's a huge benefit there. Uh, and then also just a psychological element to that as well. The, the engagement with sleep and recovery improves a lot. There's a lot less, um, I guess, anxiety around getting the right amount of sleep, getting to bed at the right amount of time. Um, a lot of my day-to-day training, uh, and sessions are very, uh, I guess, perceptually based. Um, uh, there's a lot of pivoting based on how how my body is is feeling, uh, my readiness, all that type of stuff. Um, and then that can just extend outside of the session into sleep, into recovery, and into many other areas as well. Hmm. I remember hearing um, back in in my era with Stefan Nystrand. And he was the one who people always talked about how the training schedule would flex. And it sounds really similar to, um, and he was one of the best sprinters in the world. I think he had a short course world record at the time. And it was known for um, pivoting training and high, like, you know, uh, high emphasis on specialization, yeah. going with whatever the body is telling you. Um, besides this, are you tracking it all on your own or um, do you wear like a, a whoop band or any other kind of, sleep tracker that helps you understand these things besides just your own intuition and observations? I, I had a whoop on for a large majority of last year. Uh, but as I got back into the swing of things with, uh, with training, because my training is, it doesn't really revolve around cardiovascular side of things. And I think the whoop is really good at tracking cardiovascular strain and mm-hmm. it misses out on a lot of other strain that is there that, that, that gets missed in the overall scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And so it, w- it was good in a sense, but I just couldn't, I found it really hard to differentiate between the actual strain that I was feeling that was not being picked up by the whoop mm-hmm. um, and what it was giving me. And so, yeah, I mean, it, like it was, it was a, do I keep it on, try and figure that out, go deep, deep dives into rabbit holes about what's contributing to what, or kind of just take it off and, um, and go about it naturally. And uh, I chose the second one. Um, there, there are probably, there are actually definitely different ways that I can go about it without having the whoop to track sleep. I just haven't, haven't got around to it at the moment. Well, like you said, you know, there's different types of fatigue. I mean, neural fatigue, which is quintessential for sprinters is something that I think we're starting to learn more about with HRV heart rate variability and how that may impact it. But like you said, I think a lot of times we can overcomplicate the issue and think that we can, yeah. you know, implement technology to find a solution versus, you know, okay, how do you feel when you go to bed? How do you feel when you wake up? How do you feel throughout the day? I mean, you can rate those every day and get a pretty good gauge yeah. versus, you know, having a watch that is learning and maybe using general, you know, numbers to spit out something for you. But is that really what, a 21050 long course freestyler needs when maybe the data is collected from 10 million people that are regular, regular Joes. 
Yeah. Well, in my context too, like I'm, I've been, I've been swimming internationally since 2011. So there's 12 years. I've been swimming since I was four. I was in um, squad style programs when I was seven. I've got a huge ton of, uh, I, I've got a giant training age. And, and with that comes a lot of understanding of uh, if I do this, I'll probably feel like this after. And if I do this for X period of time, I'm going to end up here. So that like all of this kind of daily pivoting and stuff is resting in the context of that entire training age. Um, so again, uh, like if I was 13, I, I guarantee you I wouldn't be able to have this type of, um, I guess, intrinsic knowledge of what's going on. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, ultimately I'd, I'd probably say that it's context dependent, um, specifically where you are in your career, where you are in what you've been exposed to, um, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's super interesting. We could talk about this, for days really and like people spend their whole life doing research in this particular niche area as well let alone all the other aspects that 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 go into what we're trying to do it as swimmers and as athletes so it's super cool hmm. i feel like it's relevant because we've talked i mean we've seen some uh swimmers uh it, it, like simone Manuel in the last couple of years who had uh overtraining diagnosed with overtraining and you know uh whatever whatever the cause may be some prominent swimmers like coming up against um a lot of the external stresses internal stress uh that's led them to you know um check in with their mental health and um prioritize that and it's you know definitely impacted global competitions including in your events um yeah and so you know like it's we, we could there's an industry around it because <laughs> like yeah, it, it's really necessity get, it's really hard to get behind the blocks at the elite level like it's a long yeah. season a long haul to get to that point well yeah yeah trust me like i my my last pb prior to this season was 2016 uh, i went i went through that long slog of trialing a lot of different methods of trying to approach things in different ways, see things in different ways. And yeah, like you said, there's a lot more than just getting your laps in, in the pool at the right time that goes into being behind the blocks on that particular day at that particular minute and ready to go. And not only ready to go, but ready to go to a level and intensity and a time that you've never hit before in your, in your life. Yeah, one thing, you know, like you said, we can talk about this all day and we're definitely getting into some of my levels of interest because in the weightlifting world is where you hear yeah. like powerlifting, you hear a lot about internal individualization or self individualization. And that's kind of what you're yeah. describing, because obviously, if you're going to be powerlifting, you probably don't want to be going for a PR if you're if you're not feeling it because you might hurt yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think that's a lot easier to say you're going to do than what to do. So could you expand on maybe some of the things, and, and I know we talked about a little already, but some of the things you're kind of looking for if you are self-modulating or, you know, modifying your workouts or what that set's going to look like? Um, well, there's a few avenues. Uh, I mean, overall, uh, it can certainly be way more optimized. I know there are people in those sort of extreme ends of, of sport, like your powerlifting and stuff that, are figuring out ways to to track it, finding metrics and, and actual trackable ways to to follow the undulation of all that type of stuff. For me personally, um, the way my training set up, I do a lot of uh, I guess race replication. Um, we have a twenty five meter indoor pool uh, here in Brisbane at the QAS. I'm there minimum once a week, and that's got uh, electronic timing over twenty five. You're diving off a block that that tracks virtually any type of uh, measurement that you can think of uh, you can get your time every two and a half meters you can get your dive angle you get so much there um, so so movement and performance is under the microscope uh, minimum once a week and so you can see kind of deviations with that um, with Tim and with Nick the biomechanist I work with uh, at QAS as well and, and Tim Lane my coach uh, their them their perspective from the outside looking in to, to myself, the energy I bring on the day, uh, my engagement with the sessions as well, how I'm feeling through the sessions and, and how I'm responding to certain uh, certain reps and, and so forth. They can get a huge understanding of, of, of what's going on, where I'm at. Uh, and that's general feedback that, that they do an extremely really good job at um, showing me where I'm at, especially when it's kind of outside of my own consciousness, consciousness you know. Um, 
And yeah, it's really just a, it's a field phenomenon type of thing. It's got like, there's myself, there's my past experience and what I would expect when I go and do something and, and how I'm expecting to, to feel afterwards and constantly monitoring that. There's, there's Tim and Nick and, and everyone else I work with that can track kind of energy, engagement, all that type of stuff. Um, and so that's pretty much where we're at at the moment. Yeah, I, I know some researchers are starting to look at just even things like grip strength, like a simple measure yeah. of neural yeah. drive, like grip strength or vertical jump and saying, yeah. okay, your X percentage off your maximum. Okay, we, we shouldn't be hitting you know maximum efforts or it's just not going to be there today. So I'm intrigued to see kind of where we go. And, and now we're starting to see it with people doing actual 50 specialization in the sport of swimming, something yeah. we really haven't had for maybe ever, or at least in, in very yeah. small se segments. Yeah. And I think I'm a, a currently, uh, I'm a strong believer that, that the fifties are very, very strength-based. I, I think for example, the 53, I think is a strength-based skill. Um, and so I, I believe that a lot of the, a lot of the ideas and principles in strength training, uh, can apply to swimming, um, just reorientated into the context of swimming and the movement of swimming and so forth. Um, and a lot of a lot of those ideas aren't new. They're new in the context of swimming, but they've been around for for decades upon decades. Many, not just athletes, but but your your everyday gym goer, like everyone, everyone follows these principles, and they work uh, across the spectrum of, of athletic ability. And so it's not like we're it's not like we're tapping into anything that's on the fringe of understanding. It's really well understood and it's just being applied to swimming. And so I guess the lens that we take is what are they doing and how far have they progressed with this type of work, this type of uh, view on human movement relative to a given goal and how can we apply that to swimming? But come on, you swam so much as an age grouper and everything. Yeah. Isn't that what set you up for success? I mean, that's what a lot of the naysayers or people will say is that you filled yeah. your bucket, you filled your training bucket over all the yeah. years, or you're just, you know, so naturally gifted that this allows you to do this. What do you say when people kind of have, have that kind of mindset or bring that up? Um, well, I think like where, where you stand determines what you see. <laughs> uh, I really, I really like that phrase. And Definitely. so your, your, your given beliefs and, and the way you, I guess, model your understanding of swimming and the world and so forth is going to then uh, influence and bias your understanding of something new that's come in some, some novel approach or anything like that. And you're going to filter it through what you know, what you believe and, and what you're used to. Um, and so, yeah, that's totally understandable. I spent a huge part of my life, um, under that same, uh, I guess, banner as well. Um, it wasn't really until post-Tokyo where I guess the leash was kind of off and I, I could go off and have complete freedom over just exploring new things and seeing how it goes. Um, and also, like, to give it credit as well, like, I, I, my technical ability to to know what's going on in my, in my freestyle stroke in the 50 or if it's 100 technique or whatever it may be, that was developed over a lot of time in the water. Um, there's a, and a lot of my, a lot of, a lot of my like internal knowledge of how something should feel when I do it and how I'll feel after I do it and stuff. That's all, that's all as a consequence of just a massive exposure to, to time in the water and to swimming. Um, but in saying that with what I've been doing the last uh, like nine, nine, 10 months now, I've never had this type of exposure. So, a lot of this season was going into a certain block or a certain type of session with absolutely no understanding of how I'm going to come out of it. And, and so, yeah, like the, the first like three or four months of this type of training, uh, particularly with the resi resistance type of stuff was basically going in blind, seeing how I respond and then pivoting around that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I did, I did a lot of, a lot of K's growing up. Like I, I had uh, multiple years at Miami under Dennis Cottrell. Uh, my, my main event that I used to swim when I was 14 was a 5K open water. Like I was, I was, I, I did a lot of swimming. So there's, there's a lot of that there, but then what I'm doing now, there's, there's at least very little that I can say that is coming over and helping me within the moment right now barring, I guess, like skill acquisition with technique in the water. 
I mean, you might have the coolest nickname in swimming at the professor. <laughs> but so with that in mind, did you end up at the 50 free to test this hypothesis that the 50 is a strength based uh, discipline and in order to maximize on that that you need to give it its full attention and pivot and do the type of training that you're doing now or were there other uh things it, that led to this space so when i when i first came back i had the 50 and the 100 in mind um and i had parrots as the end goal um the world champs that just went was kind of just a stepping stone in the process and i wanted i wanted to approach paris with the 100 uh in terms of getting the speed first and then developing the capacity as opposed to the other way around. I thought um, I thought it was a lot harder to get speed. Um, and so I wanted to dedicate a lot more time to get that and then, yeah, and then get the capacity after. Uh, but it wasn't until probably about February or March of this season where um, the it, it was starting to get – I introduced resistance work I'd gotten to a point where I could handle a solid amount of volume of that. And so I could really pro, uh, program it in a way that, that ups the strength within my stroke. Um, and really it was just, things were moving so well, but also we could see that I was still so far away from the ceiling that I could hit or that we, we, we thought we could hit, uh, that it was just like, right, let's just double down on the 50 and see where we can take it hit worlds in Fukuoka and then just reassess after that. Um, and even then right up until, uh, I guess trials, it was really double down on the 50 till then, and then do a 50 and hundred approach. Um, but the, I mean, the, the 50 went so well, obviously. And, and, uh, we still think there are little like fine tuning areas that we could probably double down on again. And so it's really like, okay, it's a very new niche space that I'm used to. I've spent my whole life doing 100, 200 type of training. Um, mm-hmm. I'm engaged every day. I, I'm, I'm so excited about what's going on, discovering new ways, new approaches, and just having like a, the, the time of my life in terms of swimming and, and the day-to-day process that I haven't felt since I was like an age grouper, really. And so that combined with the recent success I've had, it's like, why not? try and push the limits to see where I can go. Um, and I mean, I'm 29 now, uh, looking at the, the spectrum of older swimmers who have come through in the last decade and done incredible things like Brent Hayden hitting 47 at 38, Anthony Irvin winning, winning, uh, winning Rio, Nick Santos almost getting a world record on the 50 fly end of last year when it was almost 43 years old. Um, I look at, I look at the timeline now and think, okay, where I'm at right now, the context of where I'm at, and then doubling down over the next year, it just makes sense because I'm 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 at a great point in time to do that for the 50, and then looking ahead, there, there's time to then kind of explore the hundred and see what happens there, or or maybe like dive into a 50 fly or something like that. So uh, yeah, taking that step back and looking at the longer term approach has probably been why I've doubled down on the 50 combined with the uh, I guess the, the success of the year. You mentioned the resisted swimming, and and I don't know what it is about sports that have such specificity. One that comes to mind is baseball and like baseball pitching, and there's been a large resistance or like large uh, movement to to not have people do like resisted throwing with weighted balls. Yeah. But now they're starting to do that, and they're starting to see that they can get two, three, four miles per hour faster on fat, on fastball velocity with you did using a weighted ball program. And now, you know, he said, I know we've seen some videos of you using like the power tower and the resisted rack. And and that's been around in swimming, some sort of resisted swimming. But I think having like a dedicated and like frequent use of it is something that's still been lacking. So I think it'd help a lot of people to maybe understand more like how often are you using power tower and what does like a set look like for you when you're using such devices? Before I started wearing Magic 5 goggles, I didn't notice how many times that I would stop and clear out my goggles in between reps. But then once I started wearing them, I realized that I didn't have that same need, not just for fog, but for comfort. And I just had a tendency to, to like take my goggles off for a quick break because I don't know why. Once I started wearing really comfortable goggles, I stopped doing that. And that's really what Magic 5 does for me. It's like, I just have a comfortable goggle that's tailor cut for my face. So you can support Social Kick directly by picking up a pair of Magic 5 goggles using our affiliate link. 
go to themagic5.com slash socialkick. Within Australia, uh, there's been there's power power towers on on deck pretty much at every pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in my experience across my career, like I've rarely seen one used. Um, and more often than not, it's used as an afterthought after the main set, and it's cushioned around a metric ton of other stuff. And so volume, come on, so, you gotta get that volume yeah, first. Yeah. Then like, you do power tower. There, there's there's nothing you can get out of that really in the scheme of things. Um, and so yeah, with the resistance stuff, uh, the way I'm approaching it for the 50 is really it's just um, time under tension in a sense, um, and not having having that have its own place um, on a pedestal in a sense, and not having it be surrounded by anything that might be contradictory to what I'm trying to achieve out of that. Um, like for example, in March, I, I, every session I did in the water was on the power tower. Um, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't do any sprinting outside of just power tower work for, for an entire month. Wow. Um, and like the way I broke that up was like, for example, uh, 50 fly, I go 20 strokes. And so I broke that up over the month where I'd just try and get broken 50s done on the power tower and I'd break them up via strokes. So I'd do the push off and I'd go eight strokes fly at a given weight, come back in 10 seconds later, push off again and so forth. And I'd do that three times. That's 24 strokes. That's four strokes more than I do in a 50. So in a sense, it's a broken 50. Um, but then if you're breaking it up in that way, uh, that little bit of rest allows you to get that little bit of extra intensity, a little bit of extra speed and strength um as opposed to just doing 20 outright straight um have your five six seven whatever minutes you need to rest and then just repeat that get volume under that uh, maybe do 100 easy in between if you need to uh and, and that's it um move on to the next session type of thing there's a million and one ways that you can you can break it up um and going back to the 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 history of strength culture there's there's a million and one ways that you can approach a different strength program in a sense there's the west side approach there's the bulgarian approach there's tons of different ways you can do that which to me shows that there's tons of different ways that you can do this type of resistance approach in the water as well there's not just one specific way to do it uh like there's no there's no one correct theory there's just useful ones so to speak and it's all within a given context of, of the athlete what they're doing where they're at in their career where they're at in the season and all that type of stuff um and so, yeah, it's just getting creative with uh, what your goal is in your given race that you want to do at the end of the season and then just reverse engineering that back into, into the stroke, into the resistance stuff and just um, keeping the idea of specificity in mind while you're doing that. Can you pull more weight doing butterfly or freestyle on the power rack? Fly. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's just double arm V, single arm type of stuff. Um, and I mean, even with like, so with the West side approach, um, for them, they, with the, the crazy amount of weight that they were moving around, one way for them to be able to get more volume in was they would slightly change the stimulus. They'd go from a back squat to a front squat, um, something like that, where it meant that small change in neural stimulus was uh, allowed them to have that slightly higher overall volume, which then compounds over the season. And so I guess... You could you could do this the same approach in in resistance swimming too. Like I'm a freestyler, but I could do X amount free, but then I could add in a little bit of fly, and that could reduce the amount of recovery time I need between sessions. Or within the given session, I could maybe get 120 percent of the volume free fly than I would with just freestyle alone. For example, mm-hmm. um, I mean there's there's a ton of different creative ways that strength guys have approached strength stuff in the gym. And to an extent, I think a lot of that can be put into resistance swimming in the water. Hmm. All I can think is from the West Side Netflix doc when those guys are lifting heavy weights and they're <laughs> have bloody noses coming down and they're yeah. like pushing a thousand pounds. Like you finishing the power rack and your face is bleeding <laughs> yeah. and going like yeah. that. <laughs> so similar I mean, sessions. <laughs> what what I because I do most of this um, either by myself or uh, I have Isaac Eliasson Eliasson from Sweden come over and train with me for a long period of time. So it's me. It's either just me or, or us two. Imagine a, like a college program with like 20 30 40 guys all just going going at the the power tower the resistance stuff massive rep. like it's like a it's effectively like a gym session with like the 
the the the hype and energy you get around doing crazy lifts in there, but it's it's in the water, it's swimming, and it's specific, but it's also it's just fun as hell. So yeah, like that type of environment would be awesome. Uh, I probably won't ever get to, or I won't get to experience. I'm too old now. Uh, but yeah, just thinking of that type of thing. And Tim also had a long a long time over in the states as a swimmer and a coach. And yeah, just every now and again, I just feel like this would be so cool if we just had a massive group of people, all like minded, all going hard as hell on the power towers. And and yeah, it, it'd be awesome. That's what our environment was like <laughs> in the. That'd be sick. In the sprinting era of that training group at Auburn, it was awesome. Um, but obviously, we weren't focused, laser focused on the type yeah. of strength um, and uh, strength endurance and um, specificity that you're focused on. And just like, I mean, yeah. so the elements of that for sure. But uh, I don't know. Well, I don't think it's going to be long before everyone in the world is starting to pull together some of the elements that you're incorporating into your training. I mean, yeah. it, it reminds me of some of the. Um, you know, an outsider who's doing something different. I mean, that's the way that sport has evolved for a really long time where you just look at whoever's, you know, uh, winning and and doing well, what are they doing differently? How do we model our training? How do we borrow from what they're doing? But um, I think it's similar to the way uh, some commentary on Michael Andrew doing USRPT has been where um, like it takes a lot of mental uh, effort to rock up to the pool on a daily basis, even if you get to say what time you want to show up uh, and and go as hard as you can go over and over yeah. and over again. Like it, it, that really can drain on you and you really do have to prepare for it in a different way than you have to prepare for other types of loads or training programs. Yeah in the pool. Um, and it, it can be really difficult. Is how, has that been an adjustment for you at all? Uh, yeah, pretty large adjustment. Um, and you know, there's no hiding in a sense. So it's, it's hard in a very different sense of the word. Uh, like for example, you could, I rock up to the QAS pool. Um, we're doing dive 25s and if I'm 0.1 slower to the 15 off the dive, or if I'm 0.1, 0.2 slower to the 25, then that sucks. Like that means you're, you're off pace. You're not really, you're not there doing what you need to do in a sense. Um, it's good in a way where it gives you feedback on where you're at and, and maybe you need a pivot. Maybe you, you've gone too high on the neural loading type of thing. Um, but yeah, like when you're working down at the, the 0.01 of a second, then like a variance of 0.2, 0.3 starts to become too much. Um, and actually one of the hardest problems as well, this is aside from this, but, just the, the lack of ability to get easily set up electronic timing for sprinting um, really sucks and really impacts the sport. I think sprinting would improve insane amounts just through development of that alone. Like track and field, they've got these little things that you just put down in your lane or wherever you want and it tracks it electronically, it's got an app to it. Um, swimming, we don't have anything like that. And obviously, it's a little bit more difficult because it's within the water and so forth, but it's certainly wouldn't be impossible impossible um and like for example like like if you're wanting to hit if you're doing a 30 meter dive and you're wanting to hit uh like a particular pace then with the handheld you could have say if you're 0.15 either side you have a 0.3 bandwidth of error that 0.3 difference just from human error alone could be the difference between like a 21.8 pace or a 22.25 pace or something like that and if you're working at that high of a resolution to try and see where you're at but there's that much of a bandwidth of, of difference and uh yeah how how are you meant to kind of take that next step on that higher resolution approach um but anyway that was a sidetrack uh back to the yeah back to it it's like it's difficult going to the pool and and being ready to go absolute all out as max uh, as fast as you can as hard as you can um as often as you can in the water. There's obviously restraints around that. And one thing I noticed as well with this type of approach is when when you're at pace or when you're at intensity doing your work, um, you do your session, you come off the back of that, you have, say, two days until you go again. In that two days, sitting on the couch or something, you feel fine because you, you're not – it's not like you've been cooked from a massive aerobic load. It's not like you've been moving so much. You feel really nice just sitting there relaxing. But then the moment you have to get back up into that intensity and that zone that you need to hit, it's just like a train hits you. 
And so it's kind of, it's just unique. And that goes back to the idea, like what I was saying before about how this type of, this type of training is so new in the sense that I've had to kind of relearn what goes on and what happens with what I'm doing. Um, and there's not much of a pool of past experience that I can kind of dabble into from, from that 18, 20 years of my past and be like, okay, this is going to be like this. Um, and so that's really hard and added on top of that, doing some of these sessions, um, with, as the only one in the water. Uh, yeah, it gets, it gets, it gets pretty rough at times, but it's also, you got to adapt to it and yeah, you got to get the work done eventually. So, um, it just, it is what it is. And honestly, I'd take that any day over what I was doing for the last 18 years or so, uh, regardless. So I don't mind it. I don't mind it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, doesn't sound like a bad life, especially when things are working yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned some ideas about the way technology can innovate in swimming. I'm curious what else is on your mind with what um, innovations are where there are opportunities in the sport, whether that be technology or through, um, you know, the way that events are managed to, uh, you know, the event schedule or, you know, what yeah. have you, what, where, where do you see, like, how do you, how do, do you ever look at the sport with a macro view and think, man, if I were, you know, king of swimming for a day, which I mean, you're pretty <laughs> close, like how, what would you do? Well, how would you change the sport? What, what where are, where are the opportunities? Um, well, I mean, as a starter, uh, the, the, the ability to track. So this is not so much on what I'm doing, but uh, way more applicable to just the general approach and also other events. Um, the ability to track split, stroke rate, heart rate as you go, that instant feedback. The Finney Smart Goggles, for example, uh, for example, do that really well. They have the timer there. Um, you can track your, your splits for pretty much 550. So for like the amount of 31 threshold that I did growing up, like if you you knew what you were doing at the 50 meter mark then uh like that that would go a long way especially with someone like me who's i enjoy that type of stuff things to chase data feedback all that type of thing um that goes a long way that's already out there um and i definitely think there's uh, a lot more integration to the body and that that instant feedback to to come as well uh for for further iterations yeah. uh again suit technology um I put the Hydro X on, the new Finnis Hydro X this year. Uh, my first swim was in May. Uh, that was the first time I got a, a, hold, a hold of it. And that was the first time since 2016 I went sub 22. So I was 21.8 on those swims and then and then the trials and the worlds, the low 21s. Um, and so obviously there are heavy restrictions around um, technology in that sense, but still people are out there doing some really great work. Finnis is doing awesome work in the development and the pushing of that. Mm -hmm. um and then like i said before the easily set up electronic timing uh that would go a long way um like in track in track you look at the 100 you look at the 200 these guys get instant feedback on their five meter splits their 10 meter splits their 20 meter splits um mm -hmm. they like for example the 100 they track the 10 meter splits and and they can see kind of the build up to top speed the maintenance the drop of it and everything that's instant feedback and we've got nothing like that in the sport um and so yeah i guess a much higher resolution of feedback from race analysis in training analysis uh will go a long way as well um and then i guess it's just uh things like variable resistance so imagine being able to have a machine where you you get in you do a 40 meter max from a push for example um and you can start off with body weight and then at the 15 meter mark it slowly builds up to a certain threshold that you can figure out and then at the 30 meter mark it clicks off and then you, you're back to body weight again uh, or vice versa um you go down a huge rabbit hole with that type of thing mm -hmm. um even for the longer like the 100 and the 200 as well um and then this is getting probably probably pretty far into the future but you, know, you talk about things like the whoop and all that the trackables um mm -hmm. i know so griffith uni here on the gold coast uh this is in the in the realm of um diabetes and, and blood sugar tracking and all that but they put nanoparticles into their body and it can track the the this is the research it's not out of, uh usable at the moment but this is the idea nanoparticles into their body uh it can track the where the blood sugar is at and then if there needs to be insulin it would release insulin at the same time um and so i guess 
who knows where that's going to go down into the future. Again, with the tracking side of things as well, imagine having just some nanoparticles that are tracking like every type of data feedback in your body and you've got an app that you can track all of that. Um, yeah, I mean, who, yeah, who knows where, where everything's going. Then you've got AI um, and the developments in that sense. And yeah, I, I think sport in general is going to be wildly different in the next, say, 50 years or so. And um, the era we're in now will be looked back upon uh, as pretty primitive in the approach of things. And so that's a humbling thing to think about as well. Uh, like we're here putting in 100% effort as much as we can to really extend the sport. And it's an important part of being uh, a step in the, in the long process of, of development in sport as well. It's extremely right. important. They can't do whatever they're going to do without us being here. Yeah. Um, but it's also very humbling in the sense. It's like, right, I'm trying really hard right now to go 20.99, but then 50 years from time, uh, 50 years from now, well, like, what if they're trying really hard to go 19.5 or something like that? It's going to be, yeah, it'll be insane. So it's exciting. Hopefully I see some cool stuff in my lifetime um, and just, yeah, see where, the, where sport in general and swimming goes. Yeah. What do you think of the people that, you know, I, I'll go to a swim meet and like read the comments and they'll be like, God, this, how are we ever going to go any faster? This is as fast as swimming is going to get, or this is the fastest the sport's going to get. Do you think those people are just closed minded or, or just not imaginative enough? Or I don't know. I, I don't want to be like negative towards that type of thing, but I think, uh, yeah. you know, with all those things you listed and I'm in agreement that there's so much room for swimming because swimming's still yeah. pretty new um, in yeah. the big scheme of it all. Uh, again, where you stand determines what you see, I think. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely think we're not at the limits of human movement in water. Um, like for like my, like I'm, I'm decently strong in the gym, but my whole life I've never been, I've never been like that guy who's been strong or anything like that. Um I'm just thinking, like, imagine if there's a much more optimized, much more refined approach to this strength building within the the freestyle stroke, combined with someone who's just genetically gifted at power mm -hmm. output, under the uh, the amount of like that you got about what half a second in your pool, like genetically gifted at that point of the force velocity spectrum, like just doing crazy stuff, combined with insane technique, and yeah, it's just like. Easily, easily, there will be there will be people coming through and and surpassing what we're what we think is possible right now. Hundred percent. Like a couple of years ago, like who would have thought Petey would be on fifty six and hundred breaststroke, for example? And I mean, those types of jumps are rare and 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 possibly very infrequent at the point we're in now. But certainly, it's, it, whether or not it's another jump or it's a slow crawl, there we we definitely haven't seen the end of of what's capable in the water. Yeah, I know what you mean. We were talking about um, before we hopped on uh, this call about uh, strength and the specificity of strength training to swimming, like some of the things that you're doing. And um, I mentioned to John that um, my elbows, uh, I, I just have, yeah. and actually there's, um, I, I live not far away from uh, Nathan Adrian, who was Olympic champion, another uh, American swimmer, Will Copeland, who um, uh, threatened making the U.S. Olympic team. He was like a very good international team swimmer. And he and I both reminisced or like just um, connected on the fact that we would have issues with our elbow. Like when yeah. we did a lot of press work like this to build strength and engagement, like where you yeah. would to create your arm into a lever for freestyle, that oftentimes like that was a weak point for me. And we both shared that. Yeah. that eventually we're susceptible to injury. And so, um, yeah, I mean, to your point about just like the, the right things converging around the, like the athlete yeah. who's durable and has the stroke technique and all of that, like the, the total package, I think, um, you know, people will continue to evolve in that direction. But to that point, um, do you, uh, how, and even uh, I think reflecting on the earlier part of this conversation where we were talking about rest and recovery, um, with the shifts that you've made coming from the background and training that you have to the way that you train now, um, have you found injuries and or illness to be um, sort of a different threat uh, to you now? Do you think about them differently? Do you, do you get injured? Um, I've, I've been very fortunate to not have to battle any injury in my career thus far. Um, yeah, super lucky in that sense. Um, the only thing 
like you said, the only thing that I have to just be aware of is just overuse with the elbows. Um, like I find if, if I do a, a big resistance session and then the next day uh, in gym, I'm doing weighted pull-ups, then either on that day, the weighted pull-ups gets a bit sore or the next day, if I'm in the water, start to get a little bit sore. Um, not from an injury point of view, just from an overuse type of, uh, type of from, uh, perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. Something very similar that I got in my year off when I did a, a metric ton of, of rock climbing. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just really managing uh, what consequences come out of the type of stimuluses that I'm, that I'm doing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, right now uh, we've been managing it in terms of just programming it so that there's no doubling up on it or overloading on it, but also starting to look into um, – the I guess the prehabbing of it or the strengthening of of whatever goes into um, the like the, the area of the body there that that will avoid that type of stuff or at least allow me to do a little bit more volume. Um, but yeah, no, it's been yeah very it's been a very nice run in terms of no injuries. Hmm. With your dryland approach, we we saw a lot of videos on your Instagram of doing you know higher intensity gymnastic movements and. And even some higher intensity core movements, and it's uh, another kind of common myth. Summers need strong core, strong and endurance often get thrown into the same realm. It's like, oh, you have a strong yeah. core, go do ten thousand crunches, and you're strong. <laughs> Versus yeah. where in the weight room, obviously, strength and power are a lot different. Um, yeah. How long have you been doing more like higher intensity, and what type of repetition schemes are you are doing in the weight room for some of your core and maybe gymnastic work? So with the core stuff, I really only um, started to dabble into the like max strength core approach type of thing post-Worlds. Um, I didn't really want to do too much of it uh, pre-Worlds um, as we got too close to it and the idea of it kind of came up. It was like I'll wait till after to, to have a play around with it. Um, and from the core endurance type of thing, I think I get enough of that with the resistance training and the sprinting um, from a larger volume point of view um and so capacity is ticked off and so in the same sense of speed endurance i like the idea of strength uh, i mean not speed endurance uh speed reserve i like the idea of strength reserve as well um and so i've got the capacity then why not raise the ceiling of uh strength as well so that it's a lot easier to coast at uh 10 of your one rm than it is to coast at 35 percent of your one one rm um and so yeah i've just started dabbling into that type of stuff which has been uh really cool um, and then the gymnastics side of things, again, it's a mixture of um, like wanting to target something that's swimming related, like the one the one arm toaster bar, I try to get that top end of the freestyle catch as a stability point. And then as I'm raising the arms up and trying not to rotate, that's another stability thing and like a sling thing. Um, but also it's just uh, for engagement out of the water, for like mental engagement, enjoyment. I, I set a, I see a movement, I set a target. Uh, to want to achieve that and unlock that type of movement. Um, and so it's just a, a wider range of, of, of things to chase and, and to play around with and to have fun with along the journey of, of swimming instead of just focusing on hitting times and hitting stroke rates and all that type of stuff uh, as well. So, um, yeah, like it's got, it's, got its, uh, its merit in improvement in the water and transferring the water, but also uh, there's a lot of merit in just having, having a lot more uh, – play around the sport and and around general movement goals and and everything too i feel like i know so much about cam the swimmer now or at least a little bit but i'm you <laughs> <very> personally <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, fun because we love nerding out about swimming but also yeah because yeah. we like to for the sport to have um I, we, we really believe in um building fandom for swimming and you do that through understanding and ha- like having feeling like there's a, a a sense of connection with people in the sport and um it's yeah even though you're at a point where you're you've often been the the swimmer in lane four um you know and and that gets all the all the talk uh for for big meets it's still still important to get to know people um okay i'll quit with that but like what do you do on the weekends <laughs> what do you what did you do this weekend or what are you what are you planning on doing um, the weekend that just went, I went down to the Gold Coast. So I'm an hour away from the Gold Coast where I grew up. Uh, went down there for a dinner, which was um, half my brother-in-law's birthday dinner, um, half uh, everyone's together to kind of celebrate 
uh, I guess, the success of world as well and a, just a general family get-together. Um, so, yeah, went down there, just hung around, um, like saw different parts of the Gold Coast, all that type of stuff, went to the favourite favorite food, favourite um, coffee and all that type of stuff, went down there with Maddie and, and Apollo. Um, so that was really nice. Outside of that, it's really it's pretty cruisy. Um, like I said earlier, I like, um, it's such a this approach that I've taken is such a renewed um, I guess enjoyment and excitement for the sport that and combined with the fact that there's very little responsibility uh, outside of swimming for me right now. Like I'll finish the week and virtually half of my Saturday and Sunday is just kind of waiting around for for Monday to start again so I can get get back up and going. Um, I mean, outside of that, I've got uh, Jordan, my cousin, lives in Brisbane, so I hang out with him a lot. Um, when Isaac's here, we'll go uh, do whatever, like go play pool at like the local pub or someone like that, or go play some darts or whatever. Um, it's pretty cruisy. There's nothing nothing too exciting to it, you know. Um, you got to protect and- the elbow with that dart game, though. How's your dart? <laughs> um, fluky, fluky. So I'll either <laughs> miss the board completely or it's right on the bullseye. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of beer are we drinking uh, i like stone and wood um i don't know if that's international or not um it's good. brew like bar and bay based um yeah it's really nice what a bit of red having? wine too yeah all right all right that's that's refined okay and who uh who gave you the nickname the professor How did, oh, uh, I, it was the it was the media um aussie media i don't know who um yeah, I'm not sure. I think it was around 2014 or something like that. It was when I was what, like second year into my physics degree. I was I was frothing it. So every interview I got, I tried to use a metaphor in physics to explain <laughs> something in swimming. Um, and then yeah, I guess people just picked up on that and ran with it. Uh, so for, well, I mean, I guess the good side is that you never want to give yourself a nickname. That's not how nicknames no. uh, should come about. So uh, yeah. at least you've got the defense of, hey, I don't know. It was the media. Yeah, and, uh, I definitely prefer Cam over that. I much prefer Cam. <laughs> the professor. <laughs> yeah, what do you, yeah, who do you think is a better actually, you or the, the and one guy? <laughs> the what? The what? There's, um, from like the and one basketball videos, uh, I feel like they've made. I haven't seen them. Um, yeah, it's from like the late '90s. It's like a street street ball, um, and it was this uh, white guy that had all these good ball handling schools uh, skills, and they just run around the court yelling, "The professor, the professor!" <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to say it. I'll have to say it. Oh my gosh! All right. Well, we'll end it with a few rapid fire questions for you, Cam. Sure. What's the hardest race in swimming? Uh, my experience, hardest pain-wise, 200 back, no doubt. Probably short course, 200 back. Mm, all right. Olympic gold or world record? World record. If you did get to choose your nickname, what would it be? <laughs> Just leave it at Cam. Like, it's <laughs> nice, short little nicknames. Good. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm, I'm rolling with Cam. I'm rolling with Cam. <laughs> All right. Well, you said you're trying to go 20.99, but why not 20.90? Uh, I'm, I mean, that'd be awesome, but I'm just like, take it point, point 0.01 at a time, you know? Um, so, I mean, I'm at 21.06, which is, uh, I guess I'm still processing that. Um, but yeah, even getting a very fine microscope on uh, under, under that race and under what I can improve upon, um, there's still a little bit of wiggle room. Um, but yeah, like I said, with that, it's 0.01 at a time, 53, it's very, um, you're very dependent on the day and on the, uh, the technical outcome of a lot of things coming together. So even if you are informed for something that's great, you, you might not quite get it on the day. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just heavily trying not to, not to come at it from that perspective and more from a day-to-day process perspective. And, and if it ever happens and, uh, yeah, if it ever happens, it'll happen and, and it'll be whenever it happens. Okay. Given your thoughts on you just being a, a mere mortal uh, playing around with sprinting and, you know, later on once uh, the, the right athlete and the right training methods and the right amount of recovery and everything comes together. How long into the future is it until we see a 19 second 50 long? Ah, <laughs> uh, Matt, I, I'm willing to say, a 19 second and 50 long course will happen. 
time-wise, I've got absolutely no idea. Uh, it could be could be 60 years from now, could be 30 years from now. Uh, I'll just go a conservative 50. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm probably willing to say it'll happen at some point. Um, I just hope I'm my heart's still beating on that day so I can watch it. I mean, there'll be a longer period between 22 and 21, or, or those being broken, but yeah. Mm. All right. Um, yeah, true. Why do you think swimming doesn't have an equivalent um, to the men's 100 in track? Do you think that we should? I mean, obviously the yeah, form. Yeah, 100%. Out. If we had if we had a 25, it'd be insane. Um, I definitely think there's a lot of, there's a lot of room to have that. Let maybe maybe there's like you know how the track the track guys have um, the indoor season. They've got the sixty meters and so forth. Um, swimming could certainly develop something that's uh, that's based around twenty fives, four by fifties, fifties. There, yeah, there is a lot of room for that to come forward. And I, I think even just the tracking of twenty fives. Um, through FINA, through like a world record, a ranking system, national records would be um, would be something that would push the sport a hell of a lot further as well. Because the, the twenty five is so heavily dependent on your time to fifteen that if if anyone wants to take it seriously, they would have to take their dive as seriously, if not more seriously, than the actual swimming section of the race. And I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of guys who can go five five ish to fifteen. And if a bunch of these guys go from 5.5 five to 5.1 five uh, as a result from working on a 25, then that, that's a 22.0 to a 21.6 in a 50. And all they did was jump better and, and do some underwater kicks. So, um, yeah, I think it would significantly improve the sport if we had stuff like that. Um, even like I've, I've, I've put a lot of thought into the, this about um, having opportunities and that. Like even like a long jump type of – or like a – yeah, a long jump type of approach where – your heat is three twenty-fives on five minutes or ten minutes or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. You have ten guys go at once, and then your best time out of the three qualifies you into the final, and the finals are one-off or something like that. You, you, there's so many different ways you could do it. Even mm-hmm. um, even having weight divisions for like resisted sprinting, so you like push off the wall. The the electronic timing starts when the feet leave the leaves the wall. You have like a weight class, like 60, 65 kilo and below, seventy like so forth. Yeah. And then you have how much like X percentage of weight. So it's like hundred kilos in the, in the Destro bucket and how fast can you go 15 meters with that? And then you could, there's a whole, whole world of competition that you can create with that type of, of approach as well. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot that can be done. Um, I'd love to see it one day. So yeah, definitely. I love this. How cool would it be to be standing behind the block and doing what um, track athletes do, where they clap, get the yeah. going there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a twenty-five, yeah, there'd be, there'd be so much energy around that. You could pump out so many twenty-fives. Four by twenty-five relays would be insane. Even two by twenty-five relays, you could you could get along with that. It'd be it'd be so much fun. You could have the, the stands on a much more compressed level. Uh, yeah, I mean. The world's your oyster with that type of stuff, and I'd love to see it happen. Even like NFL combine style stuff, like like you have a, a dive fifteen, then you have a dive twenty five, you have a, a resisted fifteen meter sprint, and so forth, and you kind of you add those times up for a total, and and then that's your competition, and yeah, there's so much you could do. Man, I love it. I, I want to see all this. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. some of these ideas. I mean, they're obviously far enough out that they're not going to happen in your career, but. I think it'd be pretty rad if, you know, we got to see it in our lifetime for sure. Yeah. 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 It'd be awesome. It'd be really cool. Sport needs to see some of that excitement. Okay. In this training program of speed, speed, strength, speed, and, uh, and, uh, choose when we go to practice. (laughs) How much much social kick are we doing? Um, fair bit actually. Like, say I've got 10 reps of something and I've got 10 minutes to kill in between 15 minutes to kill in between or whatever it may be. Um, yeah. Jump on the kickboard and just do some chill kick chat to Tim on the side of the pool while I'm doing it or Isaac when he's there. Fair bit. That's what I'm talking about. There's not uh, much social kit you can do when you're solo though. Like unless you're just talking to yourself. I was about to ask that who you're talking to. Yeah. I was curious where that was yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I thought that after I asked it. Cool. Well, hey, man, um, super fun. We've been talking about doing this for a while and um, really fun to see you have the success in this kind of second chapter of your swimming career. And um, uh, as, as a fellow sprinter, uh, really appreciate a lot of the nuances of what you're getting after and the results that you're seeing. And um, thanks for thanks for being a cool dude to hang out with and also uh, just yeah. – you know, continuing to tinker and see what's possible in sport. It's uh, it's really cool for those of us who are a fan of the sport to be able to watch and see. And um, yeah, fun to get to connect over it. So thanks for sharing the time. No worries. Cheers for that. And thanks for having me too. Yeah, right on. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of Social Kick. We'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it. And be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick, and you can find all of our content on our website.